0: The Samosa with Seth Podcast, the spiciest podcast around. <laughs> yeah, boy. It's looking spicy. Hello, welcome back to Samosa with Seth. I'm your host. And before we begin, let me just say thank you all for listening and can ask you to like, comment, and subscribe? Today, we have a special guest, Adil Islam. Welcome, Adil.
1: Thanks very much, Seth. How are you?
0: I'm good, Alhamdulillah. Hey, just a bit tired as we were discussing, but that's all. But Adil, you're the second person to come to my show that I've never actually physically met, nor mm. do I, but in this case, I don't know much about you. So let's get into who you are. Firstly, I'll say how I know of you. The first time I heard about you was during a, an Islamic Relief thing, 2018, you went on a Awaz FM, I think. That was, I was said oh, that's Adele." People told me now that, all
1: right. Uh, yeah, so that was... Um... That was quite a while ago now, actually, now that I think about that. So, uh, uh, we were raising money for charity back then. And um, I think with my with my own personal situation, it was a case of using that to try and guilt trip people to try and make them to donate money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's probably why and how you heard me on mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the radio.
0: Uh, well... Uh what do you do should we go into like your whole life do you want to go into your whole life
1: i don't mind um, okay,
0: okay tell me what's, uh, what, what do you currently what what do you currently do like
1: so basically bro i am a full-time student right now
0: right,
1: um great. i'm a student of optometry at glasgow Cali.
0: oh right. i know a lot of people do optometry
1: right. so <laughs> i'm another party that's doing it basically yeah uh, and I also have a degree in, in another field, which is very similar to optometry called orthoptics, oh, which okay. is a, a, an eye physio degree. Um, and I, once I graduated from there, I worked away down south for a couple of years and then I decided to come back to Glasgow mm-hmm. to continue studying so that I could, you know, progress towards a more complete, uh, being a more complete professional and having more skills, more, you um, more key selling points to my name, basically, and make myself more more employable as well at the same time. Uh, as well as that, that's my professional life. I would probably say in terms of personal. Um. Obviously, the subject at hand is Islam and the Quran and stuff like that. So, I have been studying. Well, I was studying at Glasgow Central Mosque, um, doing Alum class for, around three or four years. Uh, this is in my teens when I was about 12 or 13. Um, so I did that for about three or four years. You know, alhamdulillah, I met a lot of really, really good people through that. Um, made some very good connections with uh, people who have, mashallah, a lot of knowledge. Still keep in contact with a lot of my teachers and stuff like that as well. And that was kind of my first introduction to understanding what Islam is all about. And... Um, I didn't manage to complete alum class, so I just want to put a disclaimer out there. First of all, I'm not an ideal Muslim. I am not um, perfect by any means. I am just a student of knowledge. And my aim is to show others that you don't have to be perfect to be able to show the beauty of Islam. And you don't have to be ideal Muslim for you to be able to publicly promote and spread the message of Islam either.
0: Not gonna lie, that's a thing that's scary. You know what I mean? When if you ever try to uh, show a good image or like such things, you feel like should I even be doing this? You know what I mean? Because I'm not perfect.
1: Well, that's the thing, bro. I mean, I think today's generation has got themselves into a habit of publicly promoting what they do. That's wrong mm-hmm. in the first place. So if you don't promote what you're what you're doing that is wrong, then it's not as difficult then for you to promote that that which is good. Because then the kind of the thought that's in your head is that you know I'm I'm driving through shields and I've got tunes playing on in the in my car and I'm snapping myself driving as I'm playing tunes and pure jamming to Tupac and Biggie Smalls and this that and the other, but then in the next snap you hear like somebody reading Quran, mm-hmm. right? So I think that if we were to understand that you know stop promoting that which you're not supposed to promote, then it makes the promoting of the good stuff a lot easier. It doesn't make you come across as hypocritical, um, but at the end of the day, you shouldn't. You shouldn't stop. One, one of the things that one of my friends told me, um, which I, I live to this, I live to, I live by this motto, and that is, it doesn't matter how much bad you do in your life, you should never ever stop doing something that's good as a result of you doing bad. Definitely, um, and that's something that I've tried to implement and trying trying to show to. Um, the rest of my followers and the people that follow my journey or have been following my journey so far. Okay.
0: Two questions. What brought you to optometry and who's been influential in your life?
1: Uh, so optometry, well, when, initially when I was doing my career choices at school, um, I was, you know, I didn't, I wanted to do, I, just like every other Pakistani, I wanted to either become a dentist or a, or a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um and unfortunately I didn't get the grades because I had a lot of bad people around me when I was in school so I didn't get good grades when I was in fifth year and 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 even I would argue even in sixth year so my choices were quite limited at that point and that's when I decided you know what health professional degrees could I use to try and get into medicine if I was to be able to spring off of that into medicine Mm -hmm. And biomedical science was one of them, but I decided that there wasn't much scope for jobs with biomedical science, even if I wanted to stay with that alone. Um, and then my cousin introduced the idea of optometry and orthoptics to me, and then that was it. And then from when I completed that degree, I, re- I love I loved being an orthoptist. I love the job. It's amazing. What's uh, the difference? The difference is with orthoptics that you work in hospitals and you work more closely with children than you do with adults. So I, alhamdulillah, love being around kids. I love having a laugh with them because when, you, <laughs> when you're when you working in the hospital and you're trying to test their eyes, you can proper wind them up and the, and the parents think that you're actually doing the test, but you're just mm-hmm. winding them up. <laughs> so it's, it is good fun, right? And it's, it is a good laugh, but um, it was just the fact that there wasn't as much scope for jobs in orthoptic. Oh, I get like you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's kind of the main reason why I swapped over. What was the second question you asked? It
0: hey, was oh. the biggest in- Who's the influence? Who's the influence during your life, mostly? Uh, When you were, like, doing your studying of Central Mosque and such?
1: Um, Without a doubt, there is... It cannot be anybody else other than my teacher, who is Mullah Habib, uh, Habib Rahman. He used to be the Imam of Central Mosque, um, but he's left Central Mosque now, and he's now the Imam of Edinburgh, Central. Mm -hmm. Um, Mullah Habib is genuinely the most he is the best person that i've ever met in my life in terms of yeah. character. um the amount of patience that i've seen from him the amount of um how would i argue how would i say this you know when you know when you see normal people react to certain situations in a very negative way with anger with dis, you know with the respite and you know with annoyance and you know impatience and so on I've never you know the, the amount of times where I've seen my Ustad being in a situation where he he's being harassed by people or he is being approached by so many people at one time and he's got so much going on in his play and he's teaching and he's being questioned and this that and the other and he's an imam but he kept a cool head throughout the entire thing and he was so so patient and he always had a smile on his face you can you, I don't think you can ever meet I don't think you'll ever meet anybody that has a bad word to say about him. Um and for me personally that's what I want to be myself. I want to be a lot in I Inshallah. want Inshallah.
0: to be, Inshallah. become like that.
1: Inshallah. Um yeah, I think um we need people like that within our community and they need to be recognized as well. Mm, uh, definitely, definitely. We need to celebrate them as well.
0: I feel it is hard to like come across them, you know what I mean? Like they're not obviously publicized because they don't publicize their good deeds, you know what I mean? So yeah. how do we know who is who we can look up to and such but you mentioned something your time in school let's talk about it. let's talk about your childhood what was your school like and such
1: um well i'm not going to bore you with any of the primary school details okay. because our primary school was pretty boring right Just standard typical nothing special uh basically when I was in high school, unfortunately, the only it was it wasn't a very particularly Asian dominated high school. What it school was it? Hill Park Secondary.
0: Never heard of it. Wait, Hill Park?
1: This Hill Park isn't. isn't oh, it's oh, space I Um, So when I went to that school, there wasn't very many up either. And typically, as you know, i tend to stick with upney. They don't like. They don't always tend to branch out towards making friends with other groups of people. Mm-hmm. Not always, anyway, right? Obviously, these days it's not as bad, right? But back when I was in school, it was very much like that. The upney would oh, stick. With you...
0: up.
1: I'm 24.
0: Oh, okay. You made it uh, sound like heavy. You're old when you said that. <laughs>
1: What, well uh, I, think, I think your audience is probably sub twenty, the vast majority of them vast majority of them would would you say?
0: I'd say they're around my age. I'm twenty two, so I'd say around Edish.
1: All right, okay, fine. Um so you you're not far off then. You're not far off from my from my, probably when I was in school then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um unfortunately the kind of people that I did have in my year were not the best people. Asians. Uh, Asians I right. Uh, they were bullies, they were <clears throat> people that used to abuse and take the mick out of people. Like they didn't care what kind of person it was, whether it mm. was um people that had autism, people that's messed
0: autism.
1: up. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> so bad. There's one thing, right, that I remember. Um, in my school there was an actual and <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing at this, it's so messed up. Stuck for Allah, stuck for Allah. But there was an actual unit within my school called the Autism Unit. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just remember the story is so bad, right? I feel so guilty even till this day. But it was just this, I don't know why I, I laugh about it. So basically, we used to always, we, my time in school literally was we would mess about punch each other fight with each other lock lock each other and lock lock each other in rooms and stuff like that and hold the door so the like, other guy can't get out and stuff like that so very like i think one of them punched me or something right so i'm chasing him halfway like halfway through the school and um <clears throat> he goes into a room and he just spins around and he locks me inside the room it turns out this happens to be in the autism unit <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> This this little girl, right, that has bachari, she has autism. She's trying to get into the room, right? My mates obviously are coming towards the door. So I started kicking the door, right? And then I took about 10 10 steps back and I ran towards the door and I absolutely smashed that door. And it swung open and the metal handlebar, like, smacked off (laughs) her (laughs) head. It smacked off her (laughs) head. She legit was shaky like this. (laughs) <laughs> I'm stuck for a lot. I feel so bad, right? Mm. But I, I said I said sorry to her straight away. Like I was so apologetic. I, mm. Obviously, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Um, but she just went into the cl- into the class into the classroom with a bit of a with a bit of a what's it called whiplash, Damn. and, then, uh, <laughs> and just continued chasing them through school and then just messing about like that. So as you can probably imagine, just from that story, the kind of pers- the company that I had weren't the best.
0: Yeah, that no, makes
1: sense. Uh, but- but alhamdulillah because I used to go to masjid at the time um, I had a lot of good influences within my life as well it wasn't just all negative I think if I hadn't been going to mosque I probably would have still been associated with those kind of people um, <clears throat> these people are not they're not like the best people even now to be honest with you um you known- feel
0: you could reach out to them and like try and like Help them to become be a better person, or
1: I could, but the thing is, it's one of those situations where <clears throat> I feel like you need to work on your own people first. See, before you try and start working on people that are very, you know, to the very opposite end of the spectrum when it comes mm-hmm. to even just being normal human beings, like it's harder, they're much harder to deal with and much harder to try and bring them around to being better people than people that already have some goodness within, within them, if that makes sense. Um, and not only that, it's this, that fear within me that I don't want to revert back to the way that I was before either. Do so I'm f- trying to stay away from those specific types of people so that I don't feel tempted myself. So you feel you can be
0: easily influenced by them?
1: No, I wouldn't say easily influenced, but I would say that it see this change that's within me, this is quite recent. This isn't like, I wasn't always like this in terms of wearing jubba and stuff like that and reading Quran online and that kind of thing. This was, I was not always like that. This is quite a recent, um, recent change. And I, I obviously, I still fight my demons until, even until this day. Yes, there I are, most, we do, yeah, exactly. Everyone has their own things that they're trying to fight off. Everybody has their own weaknesses that they are trying to deal with. And I think one of the things for me is see when you, when you start to associate with people that do a lot of things that are wrong, it does make you want to do wrong as well. So rather than me even having to have to fight off my demons even more, I would rather just dissociate to make my life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of way that's helped me a lot I think, recently is to just cut off the people that are causing you to do wrong or causing you to, do things that you regret and focus on the people that make you do good and focus on and try and be around the kind of company that make you think about the right things and so on. So that's an advice that I would probably give anybody that does listen to this, is that if you find yourself around people that are consistently making you do things which you regret or are consistently making you feel regretful towards certain, you know, towards the way you are, then you're better off being alone than being with bad company um good point and if you find it difficult to find people that are good then send me a dm I'll i'll, I'll try and link you with people that are on a good wavelength inshallah i'll try my best
0: inshallah. who do you who do you associate with like what kind of people now then i assume better people but
1: yeah so um i have a group of uni mates um I don't know if you'll know some of them, but one of my one of my closest mates is Fahim Bukhari. I feel
0: I've heard, I've the, heard the name. I
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't think I know.
1: Um, you'll probably know his face. Um, oh, but He's quite involved with like charity events and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and he's done a lot of that kind of work. And he's, I would say, he's one of my closest mates. That's good. Cool. We went to Masjid together. We went to we went down south, and we were like really young together and stuff like that, and. He's probably one of the oldest friends that I have, that I've actually stuck by with. I don't really have many friends that I'm still mates with or close with since I was 15 or 14. I don't think I've got any friends like that. Um, but he's one of those, he's probably the only person that I've actually still kept in contact with and still tight with, even to this day. So you, uh, I've got other mates as well, but they're going to punch me in the face if I mention their names. Oh,
0: okay, okay. <laughs> it was like that, eh? But uh, I feel I've got a general idea of who you are now. Yeah, hey, you seem like a chill guy. Let's get into your first topic. Islam in
1: the West. Mm. So um it's it's a very it's a it's a very deep subject, very, very deep, and it could take me it could take you hours to just talk about this subject alone, as with the rest of the subjects that we have we have on the agenda. But I think there are a few important things to discuss that. Especially our generation, they need to understand. Um, the first thing is, I think the vast majority of Muslims that live here in the UK and the USA and in Europe in general, we have a culture clash. We have an we we are experiencing an identity crisis, in the sense of we have one culture telling us, cover up yourself, pray and. You know do good things don't take drugs don't don't smoke weed and don't drink don't have girlfriends and boyfriends and stuff like that and then on the other hand you have the complete opposite encouraging all of the things that i've just mentioned so then we have two completely separate cultures and identities whereby we are being influenced by some to some degree by our religion our parents our teachers, our mosques and stuff like that to tell, telling us not to do certain things and then the society around us is telling us to do the complete opposite. So the first thing that we need to establish is what is Western morality based on? So how, how does the West determine what they consider to be right and wrong? What do you think?
0: Well, originally I'd say a lot of it was Christianity at a point because Christianity mostly came to the West, I feel, and, uh, but then became more secular. So I'd say, I don't know. I don't know what they dictate, because then obviously they have laws, right? It dictates what's right and wrong, but I don't know what makes establishes those laws, you know what I
1: mean? Yeah, yeah. so I'll give you a very brief breakdown as to where the West bases their morality from and where they base their, um, their laws and stuff like that from. So the West is based upon an idea called liberalism, right? Liberalism is a concept, is an idea which was first thought of by somebody called John Locke. John Locke is a philosopher who lived quite a while ago now. <clears throat> he came up with the idea of liberalism, which basically is an idea that because he, this man was a Christian, by the way, so you're right, it did start from Christianity. His concept was that God has made human beings equal, right? So this was his basic premise. His basic premise was all human beings are equal. However, you could argue that this is not true because in what ways are human beings equal? For example, I'll say, like, look at you, Seth, right? Seth, you live in a house, right? You have clothes, you know, you have heating, you have food every day, and you have most of your needs met, I would say, um, from what I can gather, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't
0: know man ask you like just that roof and like rains and all me and everything and you no
1: know, heating like we're freezing
0: right now you never know
1: <laughs> your basic amenities are, are being met you're surviving whereas there are people and uh, well, the, there will always have been people even in the past that have been struggling that do not have the basic necessities that you and me have so you could argue that first of all the initial premise of liberalism it doesn't count right? It's not really true, right? Because all human beings are not equal. And if they are equal, you have to be explicit in what sense? How are we equal? So this was the founding father of liberalism, right? This idea, this liberalism concept further developed, and it was developed further by a man named John Stuart Mill. John Stuart Mill is an atheist, Right. So he completely disregarded the fact of God. Right. He doesn't believe in the idea of God, but he developed this idea further. So he's developed a Christian idea further. And he's now said that he's introduced the idea of the harm principle. Right. So the harm principle basically means you can do whatever it is that you like to do, as long as you're not harming somebody else. Right. Now, there is a very big problem with this concept, a massive, humongous problem with this concept, with the harm principle. Can I guess yeah. it? Go on.
0: You can harm yourself by doing things.
1: Well, yes, but at the same time, you want, you basically, as a human being, you want some models that are concrete. You don't want to be following something that is going to change in 10 years' time, in five years' time. Why? How do you know that is right? Then, it's not right if it's not true. It's not really correct, is it? If it's constantly changing your morality, it's not really it's not really true. Otherwise, why would it change? Right. So, the fact of the matter is, because of the harm principle, you can find over over the course of history that the model, st- the moral anchorage, or even the the premises in which human rights and stuff like that are based upon, has changed over time. And it's never been consistently concrete as time was, went on. I'll give you an example, right? So let's look at the example of homosexuality. So homosexuality is something that was not accepted 50 years ago in the UK, right? Homosexuals would be, you know, made fun of and so on, and they would be just discriminated against, which I am against as a Muslim. We do not believe in Islam to discriminate against homosexuals, right? That's the number one thing. We believe, we we do not believe that it's a good thing.
0: It's good to you you clarified that, man. Like, (laughs) the way that was going,
1: (laughs) another way with it. So we don't believe, we believe that being homosexual is a sin, right? As in in the sense of when you practice being a homosexual, that is sinful. The same way, for example, if I was to fornicate with somebody, if I was to have sex before marriage with someone, right? That is a sin. If I was to have sex with another man, then that is a sin. But for me to feel the desire to want to do that, that is not sinful. Right? So we do not we do not dislike or we do not hate or discriminate against people that have a desire. That's that's stupidity. Because then you can't you can't target somebody because of the way that they feel. But you can you can scrutinize them for their actions, however. Does that make sense, right? No, that makes sense, yeah. So, um, anyways, so let's look at, we were talking about homosexuality in the UK 50 years ago. It was not, it was not a thing. It was not something that was encouraged. It was not. In fact, if anything, it was frowned upon. Now you fast forward time, 50 years later, everybody celebrating homosexuality is very much accepted and so on and so forth. Right. Why has it changed? What's different now to what we knew back then? What's changed is that people have suddenly started coming out of their shelves and they are now publicly there is more and more people saying that we want there to be equal rights for homosexuals in other words there is a bigger population of people supporting the concept of homosexuality which is why now it has become more accepted which is why now it has suddenly became something that is normal and you know accepted within this society now i'm gonna promote i'm gonna ask you a question right Now, it's a very extreme example, but it's just to show you how this harm principle is so messed up, right? Let's just say, for example, Seth, right? You're a decent guy, but you have feelings towards your sister. (laughs) Okay. Right? Do you have feelings towards your sister. In other words, you... (laughs) (laughs) Don't picture this. (laughs) I'm
0: trying not to (laughs) love (laughs) this.
1: Don't picture this relationship, but it's just as an example, just to just to show you the, the the downfall of this principle of the harm principle right now you want to have a relationship with your sister now you and in, in your and your in your mind you will use contraception you will do any mean and do anything to make sure that it is completely normal and there's no harm and associated with that there's no harm of there being any abnormal babies or anything like that right now if um, if two million people were to come out, now we know in today's day and age that is wrong, right? In this society, incest is not allowed. It is completely against the law. Now, if you were to now, if two million sets were to now turn around and say, we want to have a relationship with our sister or our mother or our dad, for example, whatever, right? If there was enough people behind this, be backing this idea, I can guarantee you, That the West would become accepting of it. Why
0: put into perspective? eh?
1: So just because there's not enough people promoting it or going by it right now, does not mean that it's never going. It's never going to uh, uh, going to be okay. If there was enough people behind backing the idea of incest within the West, the West would be subdued to having to make that thing legal and accept it, and they would come. They would bring it under freedom of speech, freedom of expression and so on and not only that they would say you know as long as you know you're not you're using contraception and so on and so forth it's fine so with this concept in mind the western way of thinking is so flawed in the sense of they have nothing that is concrete they have they have no moral compass that does not change their their morals will continue to change as time goes on which is why As human beings, we need something that is true and is always going to be true. It's never going to suddenly become false or wrong or it needs to be changed, right? So this is why when people say Islam needs to become more modernized, it needs to become, it needs to be changed, it needs to this, that, and the other. First of all, before you start attacking us Muslims in every religion, prove to us that what you're following is true. Prove to us that the methodology and the the way in which you derive your models that is the correct way. Why should we have to go on the back foot and say that what we're doing is right, or what, you know, to prove ourselves? You need to prove what you're doing is right, because already based upon your own history of liberalism and the harm principle, there's so many holes in it, and there's so many things within it that do not make sense, and that will, and what you're believing right now to be true and to be the right method, uh, right way of doing certain things, that's probably going to change in 10 years' time. So what you're doing right now is wrong then, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I
0: uh, would make that argument,
1: yeah. So this is, this is the number one thing. Muslims, right, have become so defensive about following their faith that if any, per- any person from the West was to question them, why do you wear a hijab? Why do you cover up? Why do you wear a jubba? Why do you grow a beard? Why do you do? Why do Why you pray five times a day? Why do you fast? Why is it that in Islam, somebody that leaves Islam, they should be killed? Or why is it that this, that, and the other, you know, and that's not, that's not always the case, by the way, first of all, before anybody starts attacking them. Why is it that, you know, if somebody steals something, why should their hands be chopped off? You know, is that not barbaric and so on? Okay, if you think that is wrong, first of all, prove to us that what you follow is true then we will take it further from there.
0: I've never thought about it like that. That's a good point.
1: Right. So this is the main thing. Us Muslims are always on the back foot. We always are being questioned about what we think. Rather, we should be questioning the West about what they think and why they do certain things. Why is it that 50 years ago, you never accepted homosexuals and now suddenly you know you are accepting homosexuals does that mean that right now because you don't you know you don't accept incestuous relationships in a hundred years time if you do accept it does that mean that what you're thinking right now is wrong or is it true like which one is it do you understand what i mean their argument will be Mm -hmm. oh no is a power dynamic and there's this that and the other rubbish right but if there was enough people behind it then they would have to make it they would have to make it legal so there is massive massive humongous flaws Within the Western post enlightenment um, moral base, you could say. Um, one sec, this- one sec, stop, on, sick.
0: You hear me? I can't, I'm busy right now, I'm doing a podcast episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what did she say? You need to make, come down and make a story?
0: No, she was telling me to cut the grass. It was raining earlier uh so i didn't cut the grass and they told tell me to and i was like no i'm on a podcast and she said the uh, podcasts are very important sarcastically she said
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> are you one of the people that absolutely hates gardening because i'm that person it's a uh,
0: i don't i don't mind it but just with a rosa i have like a home I have a big garden right uh but it takes forever it takes like an at least an hour and a
1: half mm. you know what i mean I, can't, I can't stand Mm-hmm. I cannot stand gardening and I cannot stand washing up See washing after myself when it comes to cooking and stuff like that I can't I hate everything I would do anything apart from I'm
0: uh, just, washing, uh,
1: washing up dishes what's
0: wrong with washing up?
1: I just I just can't do it man. it just pisses me off every time every time I get I'm in that position where I have to do it I just get angry man really bad <laughs> 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 well, that's off topic right? what are we talking about? <laughs> Um, So basically, the point that I was making was, yeah, the West needs to support their claims. They need to come up with their arguments, not us defend ours. So where do we go from this now? So does Islam need to be changed, first of all? Do we need to become different to conform to society? And I would argue, no, we do not. First of all, if anything, we actually add more value to our society than we do anything else. In Islam, you have to look after your neighbor. If you do not look after your neighbor, then God's not happy with you. How many neighbors do you have that you are a personal that you have a personal relationship with? Not you specifically, but I'm just giving as an, as an example. Every religion teaches us to have a personal relationship with our neighbor. If your neighbor goes hungry, you know that's a very bad thing. In Islam, your neighbor is not even supposed to go hungry. You're supposed to look after them if they don't have food. This is just one example. Another example is there would not be as there would not be as much STDs and stuff, as many STDs, and STDs would not be as much of a problem. AIDS would not be as much of a problem in the world if the entire world was to follow Islam, because people would not be having um, they would not be having um, uh, you know obviously uh, they wouldn't wouldn't be doing zina, they wouldn't be fornicating, they wouldn't be doing adultery, they wouldn't be having sex with multiple people. In spreading that problem. I'll give you another example. Islam teaches every single Muslim that every year they have to donate 2.5% of their wealth to charity. How many people do that every year? How many Muslims do that? Never mind Never mind anybody else. How many Muslims do that? If you, if you apply this principle to the, let's just say the entire world was Muslim, right? Everybody followed the religion of Islam. First of all, there would be very little if anything, um, sexually transmitted diseases, there would be no poverty whatsoever. There would be no poverty within the world. There would be peace in this world as well. Because no white man is superior to a black man, and no black man is superior to a white man. In other words, there is no such thing as racism within our faith. And uh, and, uh, there's so many points about our religion that make it universally true and these models and these ob- uh, these um, ways and these rules that we have, they're true and they're always going to be true and they're never going to be wrong. And that's the key thing here. And that is the, the, the religion, the way of life that we follow is objectively true and that it cannot be changed. It's never going to suddenly become different because of people wanting to have sex with other men. Do you know what I mean? It's not suddenly going to become different because people want to start wearing miniskirts and they want to start showing off their cleavage and so on. So this this is one of the key things that we as people have really suffered with and we're going to continue suffering with, and that is we want to make Islam different. We want to try and normalize the Western theology and the Western liberalism and try and make that accommodate Islam when it should be Islam should be the main focus and everything else should revolve around Islam instead. So... <clears throat> this is the main the main thing I would, I would argue for Islam within the West, and that is stop questioning what you're doing to be wrong and start questioning the other side, whether what they are doing is right or whether what they are doing is wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. Is I feel it. it doesn't enter people's mind as much like that because eh, they're born into it, you know what I mean? We're born into this culture, therefore you'd really question it like that, but that is a great point that I hadn't really thought of before questioning that yeah
1: well that's the thing it's one of those things where when you're constantly being fed rubbish from the news from media from it's literally everywhere bro it doesn't matter where you look as soon as you open snapchat as soon as you open instagram facebook you know tiktok twitter anywhere you look you're constantly being bombarded with western liberalism harm principle ideas right so then if you're never being exposed to an alternative, which is a real objective truth. In other words, Islam, how can you then make a judgment to be like, you know, this one is right, or this one is wrong. Should I follow this way of life? Should I follow that way of life? Which one's going to be more beneficial for me, for my community, for the rest of the world? Which one's going to be, which one is going to have me contributing towards humanity more?
0: I feel they also don't realize there is an option. You know what I mean? If you're born
1: into a culture, you don't realize there is other choices. So, I'll give you an example, right? See, why should you follow Islam then, for example, right? Why should somebody follow Islam? Did you know that um, there was an Oxford study that was done that showed that there was an overall majority of children, these are children below the age of 10, okay? And this was done in Oxford, meaning that it's a reliable study. It's not, you know, made in Uganda or something like that. <laughs> Nothing against Uganda. <laughs> um they found that the vast majority of children believe in God, and they were from they were children from a range of different backgrounds and cultures. So we have within us an innate, uh, innate desire, fitra, is what is called in, in Arabic, an innate disposition to believe in a higher power. So it's natural; it comes natural to somebody to believe in God. It is external external influences which makes people not believe in it or suddenly start believing in other forms of God, if that makes sense, right? So that's the first key thing. Second key thing, if you were to, as a human being, right, you want to follow somebody who is successful, yeah? You want to follow the most successful person you know. So you look at Elon Musk, you look at people like Bill Gates, you look at people like Steve Jobs and so on and so forth, very successful people. The number one most profound human being, the number one person who has had the greatest impact on human civilization is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. May peace and blessings be upon him. He is the one human being that has had the greatest impact on human civilization, so much so that even people that do not follow his way only have good things to say about him people that have actually researched into his life, they have only good things to say about this man. Now, I want to live my life following the footsteps of somebody who is the most impactful human being in history. So if anything, you don't even have to want to follow Islam. If you want to be a good human being, you follow the most complete person, the most impactful person that's ever lived. And the greatest thing is, his life has been documented in so much depth that if you wanted to know any little detail about his life, it's not hard to find it. Non-Muslims should be reading autobiographies of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi sallam, not of Elon Musk. Who is Elon Musk? He's a dafty. You know what I mean? He's just he's got some money, some money to his name, but that's it. Non-Muslims should be looking at the biographies of the Prophet Muhammad, not because they're interested in Islam, but because if they want to know the stories of people who are successful, there's no one better to look at as an example than him. So this is my argument, is that I am following the example of the best human being, not from an Islamic point of view, but from a worldwide recognized point of view that I'm following and trying to follow in his footsteps and trying to follow what he taught and what, he, what, he, what his message was. So that's, that's the kind of main argument I would make to Muslims and non-Muslims.
0: That is actually an interesting point, uh, to put it like that, in a, a sort of objective way, rather than subjective. Uh.
1: Because, I mean, people. why do people not look into religion? The reason why people don't look into religion is, number one, they're afraid of change. That's the first thing. The second thing is, um, because it is something foreign to them, They've never been exposed to it before. They want to stay ignorant about it. And thirdly, um, the third reason is because any any exposure that they've had to religion, whether it be Islam, Christianity, and so on, they've only ever heard bad things about it from the media, from everywhere, basically. Whereas I'm telling you, and this is not this is not my opinion, by the way. I'm not making this up from the top of my head. This is documented evidence. You can Google this. And find this evidence there. If you are if you were to look at this but think about this with an open mind, the biographies of the most influential human being in history should be that biography should be the best selling book out of any book that we have in the West. Apologies. You understand? Phone ring. So if you think about it, if you think about that from an open with an open mind. Do you not think then, that why aren't people looking into Islam more? Why aren't people looking into the Prophet Muhammad more, when it is your own people that are saying he is the best human being that's ever lived? Mm-hmm. It's not us that are saying it, it's your own guys that are saying that. So, it's because pe- too many people are close-minded, they, they're afraid of change, they've heard a lot of negativity, but this is one thing, us Muslims, we have that responsibility to show others that Islam does not teach this. What you think, it shows this. It promotes this. It tells us to do this, that, and the other. To be generous to the poor. To be to pray and remember God. To fast so that you become better at controlling your emotions. You become better at controlling your anger. You get better at controlling every little part of your life. It's better, it's about control and it's about patience. When you're going through a tough time, you don't start suddenly shouting and shooting people in that. When you're going through a tough time, then you need to be patient. You need to be patient and Fasabrun Jameen and patience is beautiful. So these are the messages that we need to show other people, not through our stories and through our uh, our posts, but through our actions. We need to show that to other people through our lives and the way that we behave, because behavior and character is how Islam spread in the first place. How it became mm-hmm. so mainstream was because of character. It wasn't because of the story. We need to to um, re-institute the idea within our lives and try and become those people. But the issue is that we're so involved with the Western theology of liberalism that we never think to ourselves, you know what, maybe the way of life that I'm following is actually not the best way of life to follow. There are actual better ways of living your life. So it's just one of those ones where we need to advise each other and remind each other, otherwise we're just going to keep going further and further into the on principle before you know it, you know, you're with your sister.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true, mate. Yeah,
0: that's a great point. Now you really put that in a way that people could digest that. So let's say you do become a Muslim. What does it mean to be a true Muslim?
1: So... First of all, what is Islam? Islam means to submit yourself to God, right? It's total submission to what God, who God is and what he is. So in other words, when we believe in a God, what is God? First of all, God is the being who has designed everything in the universe. Our argument is that the universe is too complicated for it to have suddenly became existent from something, from nothing, basically universe could not have come from nothing It is impossible um, because we have never seen anything else come from nothing we have never seen it ever in any scientific experiment it doesn't matter where you look what you look at you have you will never ever find any actual evidence of something coming from nothing so the way in which the way in which the universe has sprung into existence in its perfection and that every so many variables in terms of you know astrological the way the, the sun and the moon and everything is aligned and the way the universes are in alignment and everything's in a good balance, if anything was a little bit off, the universe would not have existed. If things were a slightly, a little bit different, a tiny bit different even, it could not, it could not have been life in the universe, right? ever premise is that for this complexity to have occurred, there has to be some kind of designer. There has to be something that has the intelligence to be able to spring something like this into existence in such a perfect, in such a um such an idealistic way. So this thing that did that, that is what we call God. We believe that God is that being that has created everything in existence and he has made it to facilitate life to exist. Right? Now God, what he did was to guide now he the, way, the same way that everything is working in balance and, and in harmony and things are moving and doing things in, in a perfect balance, he's also created us human beings in a similar way, whereby we have been given choice to be able to live an idealistic, a perfect way of life, or we have the opportunity and uh, and the choice to be able to live a life of that is not ideal. So, the ideal way of life is the same thing that this. all of the major prophets that we believe in. So Moses, we believe in Moses, we believe in Jesus, we believe in Abraham, we believe in Adam, we believe in David, we believe in John the Baptist, we believe in all of these famous, you know, renowned biblical figures. And they all taught the same message. They all They all taught the message of strict monotheism. Which is to believe in one God alone. Only believe in one God and worship one God alone. That is what the whole idea of Islam is. You believe in one God and you worship one God. Why should you worship God? Because God deserves some kind of payment for what He has given us. So God could have made you disabled, God could have made you blind the body in which that you inhabit right now this is something that you are renting right now it does not belong to you now when you rent something you have to pay you have to pay the owner of that of that object of your house when you're renting your house when you have a mortgage of a house you have to pay somebody the value of that house for you to be able to live there the same way god has given you everything that you have he has created this universe for you he has created and given you food and money and uh, and and drink and a house and you know everything that you desire, he has given you all of those things. So the minimum that he deserves for everything that he's done for us is to be worshipped alone, and not for anything else to be worshipped. That is why we worship God, God, <clears throat> because <laughs> seventeen again. Um, it's because of that reason. That's the reason why we do it because we need to show thanks for the things that he's given us he could have given it to somebody else right um and this is what islam is all about now this is the main premise of islam the central most important aspect of islam obviously there are many other aspects to the religion for example how to pray how to be a good person what is the right way to worship god and so on and so forth i'm not going to go too much into that right because the most important aspect, first of all, before anything else, is to understand what, who is God and what is he. Because you cannot worship something, you cannot like something and love something if you know absolutely nothing about them. It's like, for example, right? Somebody says to me, "I've never, let's say I've never met you before, Seth, right? I've never seen you, never spoke to you, nothing. No idea who you are. Somebody says to me, You know that Seth? I think you should like him. I think you should listen to what he says. The first thing I want to say to to that person is first of all, who the hell is Seth? (laughs) And why should I listen to him? Why should I obey what he's telling me to do? The same way as human beings, as and this is this is actually a message to us Muslims. Do you know God? Do you know who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually is? And see, if if the answer to that question is no, that is the reason why you find it hard to pray. That is the reason why you find it hard to wear a hijab. That is the reason why you find it hard to grow out some facial hair. That is the reason why you find it hard to want to follow the religion that God has commanded you to follow. Because you do not know who you're following it for. In our heads, we think to ourselves, you know, if I follow Islam, I'm going to go to Jannah. That's the only motivation. There is no other, there is no other motivation. But this is actually the weakest motivation. Did you know that? That's the weakest form of motivation. When you start to appreciate who God is, when you start to appreciate his qualities and his attributes, then you start to realize as well at the same time, you know what? This God is actually worthy of worship. This God is actually worthy of me sacrificing my own desires and will. He is the only thing that is worthy of that. And then when your mind starts to think on those terms, when you start to think, you know what, God, I'm starting to understand what you're like. Let me test. Let me see what you're actually like. I want to to pray for something. God, please make that thing happen. And then when you start to see those things happening, that's when your 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 trust and your belief in God starts to skyrocket. And that's what's happened to me. Basically, I went through a period in my life over the past couple of years where as much as I had Islamic, I had a little bit of Islamic knowledge, right? I understood how to pray. I understood some hadith. I understood some bits and bobs like that. But I did not want to follow Islam. I'll be honest with you. I didn't want to follow it. It was a chore for me to pray. It used to be like, oh, for God's sake, man, I can't be bothered praying. What's the point? You know, and everything that Islam tells you not to do, I was doing that. And then I thought to myself at the same time, you know, as much as I had it within my head, I'm not doing what Islam is teaching, but I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying myself. Then I thought to myself, after a little while of being like that, you know, my heart feels really weird right now. I don't feel peace within my heart. Nothing in my right is going. Nothing. Nothing in my life is going right for me right now. I've been experiencing difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. I'm going through financial hardship. I'm going through emotional hardship. I feel very insecure about the way that I am in terms of. Um, you know my my hair loss and all sorts, right? So <clears throat> that's when I came to the realization: the only thing that I'm missing in my life. I've tried everything, right? So this I was when I was living in Bradford last year. I was working a professional job, right? And not only that, but I also had to work an evening job at the same time. So I was working from around nine o'clock in the morning till about 11 to 12 o'clock at night five days a week and for some reason despite me having working that much I still couldn't I was still struggling to make ends meet can you believe that after working that much I was like why the I'm working like an absolute donkey here right and I'm really struggling to make ends meet why why is this happening to me and then it was at that point, then I started to realize that, you know, I'm doing something wrong. Something has to change. I can't continue like this. I will literally end up committing suicide if I do this, right? Not literally, right? I would never oh, do okay. this. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, I meant in the sense of just mentally, mentally and physically completely exhausted myself. And that's when I then thought to myself, the only thing missing in my life is having a good relationship with God. So I said to myself, I need to go back to the basics. I need to first understand why do I worship? Why should I worship a God? Why should I do it? What is the point in me doing it? I thought to myself, as much I know how to do everything, but I don't know why I'm doing it. And that's when I started working on the why. I started understanding who God is. Oh, I should I left my book. Um, yeah I left my book cut up at the Juma place of Juma but I started reading into a book and I started listening to some lectures on who God is and as soon as I started to do that I thought to myself wow you know I can't believe these are actually God's qualities you know, many people have the, have their misinter- uh, misinterpretation of who God actually is he's so severe and he's gonna he's gonna punish you and he's gonna he's he's so strict and he wants you to have a difficult life and so on and so forth. This is not who God is. God, one of God's most predominant qualities is that He is the most merciful. His name is Ar-Rahman. To be the most merciful.
0: My name, name- is Seferifan. Lord Sefer of the most merciful.
1: There you go, right? So, what does what is mercy, right? So this is just one name of God, right? I'm going to explain it to you. What is mercy? Mercy is when you give or do something for somebody and you don't expect any form of repayment. So I'm not doing you a favor because a favor is when you have when you owe them back something, right? So you say, "Oh, you know, I've done you a favor now, you know, it's time for you to pay up now." You no, know, I'll, I'll get this one, you get the next one. That's that's not mercy. Mercy is when you do something for somebody and you expect absolutely nothing back from that person whatsoever. Now God has made you He has made you he gave you a soul he gave you personality he gave you the biggest blessing in your life which is recognition that he exists He could have made you such a person that you do not believe in anything you could have been an atheist you could have been a hindu which is probably, which is worse worse than being an atheist And they believe in donkey gods and they believe in monkey gods and stuff like that. So he's given you so much, right? Has he ever asked for one thing back from you? Has he ever asked you specifically, has he came to you and said, if you do not do this for me a hundred times in a day, I'm going to kill you the next day. And the same way, we as human beings, we cannot even repay God for even a single thing that he's given us, right? We cannot even repay him for even the eyes that we use. If we were to spend our entire life in worship of God, we cannot even pay back just the eyes that we have. And yet, despite that, he keeps on giving more and more and more to us. And he doesn't ask for anything back apart from for us to believe that he is the only one that is worthy of worship, and that's it. That is being merciful. So much so that <clears throat> a leaf on a tree would not be able to move without the mercy of God. Everything in existence that you see around you, in the universe, the cosmos, everything that you see and the things that you can not see as well. All of these objects that are in existence, they are dependent upon God's mercy for them to be able to exist without any problems. Now, we don't know, we can't even measure exactly how big the universe is. Imagine how big the first heaven is, the second heaven is, the third heaven, the fourth, and so on and so forth. Every single thing that God has created is dependent upon his mercy in order for those things to be able to exist. Now, that is who is Ar-Rahman. That is the one who is the most merciful. Now, somebody, a non-Muslim is now going to turn around and they're going to think in their head, if God is the most merciful, right? You're saying he's the most merciful. Why is there people suffering in the world then? Why is there people starving? Why are people dying in the world? First of all, the main reason why people are dying and suffering in the world is not because of God, it's because of us human beings. That's the first thing. It's because of choices that we make that other people are suffering. Right? This is the first thing. The second thing is, just because you do not see something good in that action or in that thing does not mean that there is no good in that. I'll give you an example, right, to help illustrate my point here. Now Seth, you're going to you're going to you're going to let's just say for example you're going shopping with your mum, right? And you go to Strawberry Garden. <laughs> right? Everybody knows who strawberry where what Strawberry Garden is. If you don't know, it's a it's a supermarket in Pollock Shields that literally sells everything Asian, right? Like literally everything. Anyways, so you're going there with your mom, you're going to get some some vegetables, some tomatoes and whatever else, right? And you see another child there and that child does not have his mum with him and he's crying. And when you ask that child, why are you crying? You're going to say, because my mum died this morning. Now, as a result of that child's mum dying that morning and because of the impact that has had on your life, as a result of you hearing that, it makes you then question, what is my relationship with my mum like? And as a result of that conversation you had with that child, you could have been an absolute dick to your mum before. But as a result now, what's changed is you start to treat your mum with a lot more respect. You start to treat her in a way that a mother should be treated because of that conversation. Somebody might then say, You know, you could have learned that lesson through other means. But the thing is, just because you do not agree with the wisdom in which God decides things to happen, does not mean that it's wrong, that there's there's not goodness in that. So this is just one example of that. So if everybody was to be living in harmony right now, right, there would be no motivation for people to want to do good, to help other people. Mm. So a big push for charity right now, There's a lot of people suffering. People in India are suffering. People in Rohingya are suffering. The Rohingya Muslims are suffering. People in Palestine, whom heart aches for, they are suffering. People in Yemen, they are suffering. People in Syria are suffering. How many hundreds of thousands of pounds are being raised in the UK every single Ramadan as a result of these people suffering? How much aid is being produced? How much... How many good deeds? How many how much generosity is being shown by people that are Muslim as a result of people being in need? Do you think it would be the same amount if people were not in those situations, not in that situation? You might argue then, why would why would you need that to happen in the first place for you to be generous? But it's like it's like a yin yang kind of situation. If there's no if there's no um, negativity, there's no room for positivity then either. So, this is one of those things just because you do not see something good in something does not mean that there is no goodness within it, and there's plenty of examples of that around you. You just need it's not difficult for you to look around for you to be able to see that. So, um, this is what Islam is Islam teaches you to learn how to live a life in which you can attain peace within yourself. Number one, number two, it tells you the the blueprint on how to be an ideal human being and it also gives you the blueprint to be able to attain the best reward which is possible, which is heaven paradise so these are the three things that Islam teaches each individual human being how to be the best, first of all the best human being Uh, what was the the first point again? the attain peace peace in your heart first of all it teaches you how to attain peace within yourself because no human being is born with peace right everybody is searching for peace their entire life they try and fill it with money with monetary things with women with cars with things other materialistic possessions and so on but they never find peace you look at youtubers right that have got hundreds of thousands of subscribers rich they've got the mansion they've got the full lot but those are the people that are suffering from men- mental breakdowns. and. That's going true. To- you ever
0: seen FussyTube?
1: Yeah, yeah, like FussyTube. Yeah, that was out. weird. These people have got so much money. They're absolutely minted, right? But why are they suffering from depression? Why are they going through so much mental turmoil? Because money and possessions do not make you content within your heart. That's true. It's the only thing that makes you content is remembrance of God. That is the only thing. And this is another thing that, you know, I was very, this, is, this was me, right? And this is a lot of other young guys, young people. We're so caught up in trying to chase money, thinking that it's going to make us happy. But the thing is, it doesn't make you happy. It doesn't matter how much of it you will have. You're not going to be happy as a result of how many handbags you've got, or how many cars you've got, or, you know, how many designer joggies you've got. These things do not lead to happiness long term. You want happiness that's going to be sustained, that's going to be long-term. That is the kind of happiness and tranquility that you want. And that the only way that you can get that tranquility and happiness is through remembering God. How do I know this? Because he said it within his book. His words, not mine. Remember me and you will find peace and you will find peace within your heart. That's his words. So... Depression is becoming more rampant. Mental issues and mental health is becoming a bigger problem. And jahiliya and going away from God is also becoming a problem. You could also, you could argue that they are directly correlated. So people are becoming more depressed. People are becoming more mentally unstable and less content with, uh, with, with their lives and the way they, their life is going. I don't and think, then at the same time, they're going further away from God as well.
0: I don't think mental illness only has to do with that though i feel there mean? can be other factors that can attribute you know
1: what i mean yeah no, no, i'm not saying i'm not saying as mental illness on its own i'm just saying generally speaking so no doubt you're right you can't have mental you can't have mental health issues and you're still a pious person i'm not saying that um but i'm saying generically you find that depression is becoming more of a problem and one of the causes for that is because Constantly beating yourself up with the fact that um, you know you don't you're not happy within yourself within your own within your own two shoes if that makes sense mm-hmm. but one of the ways in which you can find that happiness is by remembering God I think a lot of these issues could have been prevented early on if people had God as a bigger focus within their life that's my opinion I could be wrong but that's just my opinion yeah, um The reason why I know a lot about this subject is because I was going through that same phase in my life. With the
0: two jobs and such?
1: The two jobs, difficulty, difficulty, so much hardship in my life, bro, you don't understand. I was, you know, I was going through so much hardship. I've been through so much hardship in my life. I can tell you so many things, difficulties that I've been through. I've lost both of my parents to cancer. Right, that's probably the most difficult thing I've ever yeah. had to. Do, I don't right? think
0: many people can imagine the pain that can cause.
1: Right, that's one thing, and then working away from home, that was difficult. Learning to live on my own, that was difficult. Learning, uh, having to work two jobs simultaneously to make ends meet, that was difficult. So this, I've been through. I've been through all man. I've been through the financial hardship. I've been through emotional hardship, heartbreak, everything. And that is what led me to then become more reliant upon God for my problems. As soon as I started becoming more reliant on God, my life started to become easier. Alhamdulillah. Would you say here? Right.
0: Sorry, can you say that again? You, you cut off there. Right.
1: Alhamdulillah, I have my own flat.
0: That's good, mashallah right.
1: I own my own place, Alhamdulillah. Do I'm, you fairly... I'm doing a degree, right? I'm... And I didn't go, I didn't start from first year in optometry. I went straight into third year. Oh, okay. So, Alhamdulillah, again, I went into a very good degree that's guaranteed to give me a job at the end of it. Alhamdulillah, you know, I have the opportunity and platform to be able to spread the beauty of Islam. And it's starting to pick up more pace, and more people are starting to come across and experience that. And I'm so grateful for them. Alhamdulillah, I have a car that works. Everything in my life is going perfectly in the right direction alhamdulillah Uh all praises for god and the reason why that's happened is because now when i pray i know why i'm praying when i do when i ask god for things i know why i'm asking and who i'm asking and all of these factors are very very important in order for your salah to have impact for your du'as to have impact these are the most important aspects it's not about how many times you do it if you just do it like a like an exercise it's not going to be effective it's an it is a spiritual um it is a spiritual connection that you get from it if you don't experience a spiritual connection from it then there's it's empty it's like a jug that's got no water in it so you need to you need to put the water in you need to have water first before you can put water in the jug and it's the same way with us we need to understand why why we do we pray, why do we not drink, why do we not take drugs, why is fornication not allowed in Islam, why is there capital punishment for certain things, why uh, you know why should we prof, uh, follow the Prophet Muhammad, why did he say this, that, and the other? These are things that we need to learn about if we want to be able to have a stronger connection to God, and that's um, that's pretty much that subject in a nutshell. Mm-hmm.
0: Here, if you have been living your life up to this point, and now you have a feeling of change, how could you
1: get redemption in Islam? So, trust me when I say this, right? There are many, many things in my life which I regret. There are many, many things that I have done in my life that I'm not happy about. I'm not going to share what they are, but I'm telling you there are and for those people that do know a little bit about my history they will understand as well <laughs> part of it anyway so islam is not like it's not so strict to the point whereby if you've lived a certain way in your life that you can't suddenly become a better person that there's no way out for you this is why i was saying as long as you understand if you understand who god is it will make you become more, it will make you a better person. Why? One of the attributes and names of God is Al Ghafur, Al Ghafar, and Al Ghafir. Al Ghafur means the one who can forgive anything, there is nothing that he cannot forgive. Think about the people that first became Muslim, right? The very, very first Muslims. Those people used to worship idols before they became Muslim. Worshipping idols and other things, other things, anything other than God alone, that is the worst sin that you can possibly do. That is the Akbarul kabir, one of the biggest things that you can do. If those people then going from doing the worst sin possible, then became the best people, the best followers the most, you know, the the people that have been promised Jannah, the people that have been promised the highest Jannah, were they not redeemed from going from the worst to being the best? Right? It doesn't matter where you start from. It doesn't matter where, what it is you've done in your life, how many girls you've been out with, how many guys you've dated, how many drugs you've taken, how much booze you've drank, how many times you've been out partying, how many times... You know, you've looked at porn, you've masturbated. Anything, it does not matter where it is you've come from and what it is you've done in your life. There is always the opportunity for you to turn back. And this is this is uh, something that I remember somebody telling me: um, you cannot do Tawbah if you're going to then repeat the same mistake. This is somebody. Some this is something somebody I remember arguing with me about. That's right. Tawbah basically means repentance. So I'm going to use that term, Tawbah, right? Tawbah or repentance. So there's different grades. There's three different grades, right? Well, there's two main ones, right? The first one is a perfect one where you you do Tawbah, you ask for forgiveness. You know, you feel so extremely bad about what you've done in your life. You ask God to forgive you and you never do that thing again. That's the perfect. The imperfect one is when You feel weak and you feel like you've asked God to forgive you, but you can't help yourself but continue to do that thing. That still counts as tawbah. That still counts. If anything, that tawbah, you could argue, is better because if you were to do that again and again and again and again, you might get given the guidance to to eventually be able to stop doing that thing. I'll give you an example, right? One of the worst problems to affect teenagers in today's day and age is masturbation, right? Masturbation has actually a lot of side effects, which are actually bad for you, right? So that's the reason why it's haram, first of all. It has bad physical and mental effects on you. It completely changes your biochemistry. um, And it's not healthy at all, right? Um, So basically, people are addicted addicted to doing it. Then they would think to themselves, "What's the point in me asking for forgiveness if I'm going to do it two hours later? What's the point in me doing it? If what's the point in me asking for forgiveness if I'm going to just end, if I know myself that I'm going to end up doing it again tomorrow? That's not an excuse. If you know yourself that you're going to be doing it again tomorrow, you're going to do tawbah again tomorrow as well, and you're going to keep doing tawbah until eventually you stop doing it. That should be the mentality." And it's the same with any action, bro. It doesn't matter if it's taking smoking weed, right? Or if it's dating girls or anything. I can tell you, I can promise you. See, the more times you do tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will start to make you dislike that action. You will not want to do it yourself. You will start to grow a disliking towards that thing. And when that happens, you will eventually be able to stop doing it. And that is what is redemption. It doesn't matter whether you killed somebody. It doesn't matter. Well, killing's probably a bit of an extreme example. Oh,
0: even Prophet Musa was forgiven for accidentally killing someone, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly right. So I'm trying to use relatable examples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any many of your followers probably have killed anyone yet. I hope not. <laughs> so... Um, that, that, that's kind of redemption in a nutshell I think one of the key things that we forget is that because we do so much wrong within our lives it demotivates us to want to ask for forgiveness if anything the more wrong you do the more you should ask and one massive humongous motivation for doing tawbah is that every time your tawbah is accepted your bad the bad deed that you've done, the sin that you've done is wiped off and it's replaced and exchanged for a good deed. So imagine you've you've smoked weed your entire life, your entire life. And when you are a couple of days before you die, you say to Allah, I'm not saying do this, right? This is the really bad way of doing it, right? But you shouldn't do it regardless. But the point that I'm making is, if you were to then do tawba a couple of days before you die, then by chance a couple of days a couple of days later you die. That entire them entire 50, 60, 70 years or whatever that you've been smoking mao, you've been smoking weed, them sins get wiped away and they get replaced with the good deeds. Is God not merciful? Is that not mercy? So tawbah is, I would say, is the most important. One of the most important things for us Western Muslims, because we cannot avoid sin. It's impossible for us to avoid it. Everywhere you look, there's naked women. Everywhere you look, there's music playing. Everywhere you go, there's you know, there's something going on. It's impossible to avoid. So we need Tawbah more than ever. Now in this day and age, in this Western post-colonial liberalistic a harm principle-based country and society, we need Tawbah the most right now. And that is the very, it's the most important starting point. I think if you are interested in learning about God, you want to become closer to God, you want to start somewhere, start with Tawbah. Start asking for forgiveness. And as a result of that, you might become a very, very strong Muslim. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us, inshallah. Ameen. Amen. So the next question is: We're in the the next question or next point is that we're in the month of Ramadan, right? Not
0: gonna lie, probably coming after Ramadan, but we're recording during Ramadan. Well,
1: recording in the month of Ramadan. So, the special month of Ramadan, in which why is Ramadan special? Because the Quran was revealed, right? This book was revealed in this month, right? What is the Quran? Let me ask you the question. What is the Qur'an? It's
0: uh, obviously the way of life. Allah wants us to live and the uh, tailings of the past.
1: Okay. You, In other words, it's a storybook and it's an instruction manual. Yeah. Right. It's a good way of summarising it. There are only two things on planet Earth which are not from the planet Earth or not even from this universe. There are only two things the first thing is this: this book, not this book physically, but the content and the words in the text of this book, it has not, did not originate on Earth. This is extraterrestrial. This is from God Himself. These are His words. It's not some random. It's not Paul or Luke or John that wrote down letters and wrote them and made that made that part of the Bible. This is not from another human being. This is directly from God. That's the first thing. The second thing that's from God directly is the Hajari Aswad. That's from heaven. It's a stone that's in the Kaaba, right? Um, first of all, to set the scene, that is what the Quran is. Is the only thing, the only proof that we have that is directly from God. Nothing else that you see around you is directly from him. Okay? Secondly... God has always given human beings an instruction manual, a blueprint for them to be able to follow, to be able to find peace within themselves, for them to be able to contribute positively towards the rest of their community and humanity. And lastly, um, to be able for them to be able to attain heaven, right? So God has given every every civilization, every civilization has been given an instruction manual or a message in order to be able to do this. Moses was given the Ten Commandments in the Torah. The Torah is what his group of people that they followed. The Christians had the Bible and the Gospels. We have, and it's not just we, this is for the entirety of humankind, by the way, of the entirety of mankind. This is the instruction manual. This is the blueprint to be able to find peace within your heart for you to be able to positively impact humanity and for you to be able to enter into heaven. This is, in a nutshell, what the Qur'an is. Now, what I have started doing is there are specific parts of this Qur'an which hit home specific points that affect us in this day and age. If you're interested in those specific points, follow my TikTok. (laughs) Follow my TikTok and follow my Instagram channel as well. Because I post up these stories very often these days, right? But the point is, within this Quran, within this holy book that we follow, it's not an advice just for us Muslims. It's an advice for, for everyone, anybody that is going through an issue in their life, and they want to find a solution for that problem, they should open up the Quran and read it. If you're going through financial difficulty and you want a solution for it, you open up the Quran and read it in English, obviously, so that you understand it. You, if you're going through a relationship problem, I'm assuming a halal relationship problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> then you open up the Quran and you read it, and so on and so forth, right? It is a guidance, sir. It's a guidance. It's not something that you just read. Alhamdulillah, there's nothing wrong with that. You should read it in Arabic as well, but it's a guidance, bro. It's there for it's there to guide you towards solving your problems and towards guiding you towards the right path. That is what the Quran is. It's not there to just sit in your shelf for it to just gather dust and for it to you know be a decoration like people have the full Quran on their wall and stuff like that that's just decoration, it's a book of guidance and it guides you towards doing that which is good for you. That's why as human beings, especially as Muslims, we should read this book but we should understand exactly what it's saying as well. So, I challenge you.
0: Thing, a point I've made, everyone always tries to do like, oh I'm going to try and read the Quran over, the, over Ramadan, try and finish it this many times, but I feel, as you said, the more important part is taking what you learn from it and adapting that to your life. I would say that's even more important than just trying to get through it as many times as you can.
1: I think according to what my teacher has said, he said, do both. So read it, read the Arabic as well, but also understand what it is you're reading. Um, the, The benefit of reading it is that just reading it alone gets you a lot of reward over Ramadan. And just generally speaking, you do get a lot of reward. For every letter that you read of the Quran, you get 10 good deeds for every letter. So if you were to read the full Quran, that's 6,628,000 good deeds or something like that. And in the month of Ramadan, it's over 3 billion. 3 billion good deeds for completing one Quran. That's how many good deeds you get. No, I don't know. So um, that's a minimum, by the way uh so this is something that i would recommend every muslim you need to do this you have to do this pick up the quran and read what it actually means because if you don't read it you can't expect to get guidance where are you going to get guidance from there's only so much guidance that you can get from other people this book was made as a guidance for people like me and you so let it guide you But if you don't let it guide you, if you don't read it and understand it, how can it guide you? So that is, in a nutshell, what the Qur'an is. I'm just uh,
0: reflecting on all all the points there. It's just uh, the the silence. But uh, as I do that... uh,
1: What you'll find, Seth, is that, see, the way I think about things is is very deep. See, when it comes to our faith... There are so many questions that I've had about our faith that I did not understand why I was doing certain things. What's the point of it? Mm -hmm. It was only after I started actually understanding all of these whys and started answering these whys that I then thought, wow, this religion is actually amazing.
0: I've had a... There's
1: nothing else like it.
0: Similar experience in my life, maybe not as deep though, but uh, there came a point where I doubted. I was like, is this the truth? Like, I've been born into it. And I had to think objectively, is this the truth, to which I looked into it. And then that brought me to thinking about the whys and such. And that made my imam, iman, stronger, to which I can understand why it is and such. So I agree on that point of
1: the, the reasoning for things is yeah. important. 100%, 100%. If you look at the way Islam is, Islam was not, it did not come as, You know, when Muslims, when Islam first got revealed to the Prophet Muhammad, Muhammad they were not commanded to pray straight away. It wasn't a process of that's boys, time to stop drinking, time to stop praying. (laughs) It did not tell them to stop fasting straight away. It did not tell them to do any rules. The only rule was believe in one God. And believe in one God and trust in one God. This strict monotheism This one belief, singularity of Tawheed, this is what Tawheed is, to believe and to only um, acknowledge that there's one God. This was the main purpose of Islam and the main message of Islam for the first 10 years of its existence. The first 10 years was solely devoted to just believing in one God and trusting in one God. It was only after those 10 years that things like namaz became part. After 10 years, you had to start fasting, you had to start doing this, that, and the Ramadan, and so on. This is the blueprint as well for us. We need to follow the same thing. You don't suddenly become an amazing Muslim and start becoming panjwakti namazi by, by reading a few hadith on namaz. You need to develop your iman first. And iman, I'll tell you the most effective way to actually build your iman now. See the person who learns about the 99 names of Allah? See, that knowledge, that is the knowledge that will build your Iman the quickest. That's the quickest way of doing it and the most effective. If you learn about the 99 names of God, what they mean, what uh, what is a, uh, you know what is the deeper meaning of them, and I read a book on it as well. The book that I read is actually really good, right? It's quite complicated in English. Um, and it sometimes I do need to read it twice, like a, a paragraph twice, for me to actually fully grasp what it's trying to say. But if you read any book on it it will boost your iman by a massive amount it was actually only after I started learning about the qualities of Allah subhanahu wa that I felt a big change in my iman my life became a lot easier after that so that's what I would say um, about that
0: this brings us to the end of the podcast thank you Adil for coming on uh, you got real deep we talked about Islam to, well, in like a lot of aspects made it approachable for people who may not be fully uh, like knowledgeable on the subject. And for that, I'm thankful. Uh, is there anything else is there anything you'd like to promote?
1: Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Seth, as well for having me on your show. No worries. Uh, my pleasure, pleasure is all mine. And secondly, um, for those of you that are interested, I am doing a skydive in July. For, in order to raise money for my late mother and the purpose of that charity is to raise money to build water wells um, and water wells that should hopefully last a very long time so I would very very much appreciate if you could try and help me out in this cause I'm very close to meeting my target so there's not much left for me to be able to do that so if you guys could help me with that I would, as I say I would really really appreciate that I'll
0: uh, include the links down below And uh, what about your TikTok and Instagram account? Can you see what they are again?
1: So it's just my name, Abul Islam. They're both the same. Again, I'm sure probably you'll link into that. But it's public, so you guys can follow that as well. Um, And inshallah, hopefully, you know, I want to be able to benefit as many people as possible. So if you do uh, give me a follow and a few likes, that'd be nice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. To the listener for listening, and don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, share, and uh, just reflect on everything we've talked about. And uh, as always, don't forget to stay spicy. Mamma mia, that's a spicy.